Good afternoon. Howdy. Welcome, Welcome to uh, uh, Monday. There we go. That's, that's right. That was, that was weird, man. Like, I didn't get any kind of, like, things. Like, oh, the show's live. Nothing pops oh. up like normal. It's weird. We're on. You don't see it now? Come no, 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 no. It's fine. It's, it's great. Yeah. We're on. We're good. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Well, there you go. Look at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Monday. It feels like a Monday. I don't know. I, I felt like it's Monday all day long. It's like, <laughs> and I don't even do anything. I mean, <laughs> that's the messed up part. Like, I don't even have an actual job yet. Right. So, like, Monday shouldn't be anything. Like, it should be like every other day for me. <laughs> Dude, but, you know what? They they stay that way. I, I mean, you know me. My sleep schedule is so goofy. Like, you've told me a hundred times you don't even know when to call me. Because, yeah, I know. Because sometimes I'm up at 6 a.m. and sometimes I'm up at 3 p.m. And, you know, sometimes I'm not up at all during the day. You know, I really am in a goofy sleep schedule. But I yeah. always know when it's Monday. Yeah. You know, just because Mondays suck. They just suck. They suck for everybody. So much to talk about. So we get yes. White Snake, TSO, Joel. Joel Holkstra. Holkstra coming yes. up in just a little while. Um, I got a message from Joe Burdick, Burdick Custom Flags. Okay. Uh, he was on his way home. Okay. And he received a an envelope from Mr. Donald Trump. Really? Yes. Was it an envelope to be stuffed with dollar bills and sent back to so. Mr. Donald Trump? I think it was it was a, uh, a number for Stormy Daniels. No. <laughs> it was just a an envelope, I believe, thanking him because I believe he got uh, the former president oh, a flag. Right. Nice. Very nice. So I have the faith and belief and hope that there will be once again, right. that flag will be hanging in the White House, which would be sweet. Nice. A Joel Burdick flag. That would be awesome. Yeah. So maybe uh, Joe will call in later. We'll see. Sure. Um, I guess I want to get started with what everybody is talking about. Uh, Joel Holkstra coming on at 445? That's exactly <laughs> what everybody's talking about. <laughs> well, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I think Talk. my wife and her sister are probably a tad bit more excited about that. <laughs> that's funny. I don't understand. We get all these rock stars on. And the only reason that, well, one of the many reasons why I like doing that is because if my wife watches, right. it generally means a better night for me. Nice. <laughs> because like we a, get... Yeah. What you're like? Yeah, look at what I'm doing for you, honey. And then yeah. I'm sure that's how you present it too, isn't it? I think it's more or less the. It's like putting a poster on on the ceiling of the bedroom. Like, <laughs> I mean, she gets to look at the good looking rock star, and then you know I got to talk to the good looking rock star, and so mm -hmm. I guess you know, I'm associated with the good looking rock star. Well, just take take full credit for it. Say, yeah, yeah, you know what, Heather? This is who I brought to the show today. Just <laughs> yeah. take full credit, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> I have his personal cell number. That's right. I just reached out and said, hey, Joel, you want to come on this week? Yeah, what do you think about that? What, yeah, come, come on. on. What do you got going on? Nothing. Come on. You got to go on the show. <laughs> yeah, come on on. Why not? Uh, so everybody seems to be talking about the great Jim Brown. Yes. So I'm going to play some highlights. and We can reminisce about the. Okay. Not that I was alive to, to know what Jim Brown was, but me.
All right, that's enough. We don't just see you know, all. Yeah, they're all touchdowns. We get yeah, it. All, he's a great player. He was a yeah. fantastic player. Jim Brown. The greatest in many people's minds. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of hitting in his time. <laughs> On and off the field. On and off the field. And so that's kind of my point. Um, and I'm going to take probably some shit for this. Okay. But all these people out there, especially on the left, mm-hmm. hate people that are bad people and say you can't do the job if you're a bad person. You have to be a good person. Yet all I've heard is praise for one Jim Brown. Okay. Praise now. Sure. Well, let's. I, I, don't, I have it on my phone, the, the article, so to speak. Let's run through some of the things that Jim Brown was good at other than football. Okay. On June 9th, 1968, Brown was booked on suspicion of assault with intent to commit murder against his girlfriend. Sure. Um, the, the woman, a model, was found semi-conscious and moaning on a concrete patio 20 feet below the balcony of Brown's Hollywood apartment. Ouch. <laughs> so she took a hit and a yeah. nasty one. That's right. See, I'm going to get a lot of shit. Sorry, Sandy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's continue. Okay. 1965, an 18-year-old accused Brown of assault and battery in Eastside Cleveland Motel. Later alleging that he fathered her child. Wow. Looks like she took a couple of hits in different ways. Yeah. A couple parts of her anatomy took a beating. Took a beating. (laughs) Man. (laughs) In 1985, Brown was booked on suspicion of rape and sexual battery in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Following a complaint by a 33-year-old school teacher. Ah. Um, she claimed Brown punched her in the face, choked her nearly unconscious, and threatened to break her ribs before sexually assaulting her. Okay. <laughs> All right. In 1999, Brown was tried in Hollywood Municipal Court on domestic violence charges after his wife called 911. According to reports, uh, he was accused of making a terrorist threat and vandalism for smashing her car with a shovel. Wow. Uh, His wife, however, pleaded with police detectives not to arrest the Hall of Famer. Well, there you go. Not guilty. So Brown denied all these allegations in every case. Okay. Saying, quote, I'm no angel. (laughs) <laughs> I've never been convicted. There you go. See? Innocent. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Everything's fine. That's right. Uh, so my point is, is that all of you heard for the past however many days since he passed away, mm-hmm. they even have billboards. Like I was driving down the highway the other day, and there's like a billboard that lights up and stuff and, um, about how great Jim Brown was. Oh, Jim Brown, rest in peace. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Okay, I'm sure he was a great activist, and yes, he was a fantastic football player. Maybe the best player that we've had. Um, best, I, I football liked, pl- best football player that we've had? Maybe best sports star that we've had. All right, I'll, I'll hang on that for a little while. because We can discuss that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. So my question is, why haven't you heard any of the bad stuff? And my other question is, why are all these leftist people out there saying, Oh, Jim Brown is the greatest person of all time, but they hate Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump, who supposedly maybe had sex with a porn star, mm-hmm. um, ran some businesses that people didn't necessarily like, maybe went broke a couple of times, maybe did like every other rich person does and did tax loopholes, took advantage of the system. Sure. But he was running the country in a way that was a good way. Mm-hmm. He was running the country positively. So when you get people, I'm not going to mention names, when you get people that sit there and hold their head and start crying and moaning and, and whining over Donald Trump because he was a terrible person. What a terrible person. I hate his tweets. He's a dick. Right. But I love Jim Brown. What a great person. Jim Brown, fantastic activist, football player. We should build a statue to Jim Brown. Oh, we did? Yes. We Who did. beat the hell out of women. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. We, he threw we, one out of a window over a balcony. Off a balcony. Allegedly. Yeah. I forgot. He was never convicted. That's right. So innocent. After <laughs> women changed their stories, pleaded with police not to uh, yeah. arrest him, not to do anything. In fact, the one woman, after she pleaded with police, I believe she, uh, the officer said that he, she came to him and said, but please put this down in reference and just in case anything happens in the future. Just in case. anything Didn't happen now. Hey, but just w- in case it's something happens in the future, that I worked, want you to know. That worked out well for Nicole Brown Simpson, by the uh, way. Yeah, it worked out great for her. Uh, <laughs> worked out we, great having evidence in a, in a storage just in case. Yeah, the officer acknowledged that her eyes were red. She was shaky. And yeah, okay. He wasn't convicted. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. I mean, not convicted. My uh, here, here's here's what I think, dude. And this, you you may agree, you may not agree, and that's okay. If you're gonna act like an asswipe, like a typical liberal would, then it's fine to convict Jim Brown today in the in the wake of his death for the bad things that he did. If you're if you're gonna gonna be a Republican and forgive Donald Trump for grabbing the girl by the pussy or for banging Stormy Daniels or for bad business or whatever, then you kind of gotta let Jim Brown go too. You gotta say, okay, he's he's doing his thing. He did his thing. He repented and he went 25 years without a charge. Now let me just say this though: I have okay. not really given. Uh, my opinion on, on whether I like Jim Brown or not. The, True. I was just pointing out that, you know, the hypocrisy of saying what a mm-hmm. great guy he was. Yeah. And what a great person, activist and football player and everything he was. But nobody wants to bring up the rest of the garbage that comes along with, with Jim Brown. No. I personally don't care. Yeah, that's a, I'm the same way. So whatever. I don't what care it, what he what he did ever off the field. When it comes to who I like on the field, I don't really care. Yeah. If Ray Lewis was on our football team, as long as we won a Super Bowl, yeah. I'd say, yes, he's a scumbag and a piece of crap, but he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, dude. <laughs> if, if, if the uh, if the um, if the sexual assaultist that we have playing quarterback wins us a Super Bowl, he'll be my favorite sexual assaultist of all time. There you he, go. He will. I will wear his jersey proudly. As a as a Browns fan, because I really don't care. They'll just people in general, and 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 I'll say this about football first, but I'll say it about life in general. 
If you don't know the person directly, stop pretending that you do. Stop pretending that you're outraged about things that you're not outraged about. These guys are all the Cleveland Browns as players, past, present, future. They are blips on your screen 16 weeks a year and one and live live combatants one game a year that you go generally. That's what they are. So accept them for what they are. They're entertainment to you. They're the same as a ticket to a movie theater. They're the same as a subscription to Netflix. That's all they are. They're not more important than that. Don't give them more importance than that. And people will say, well, you say that you don't like LeBron James. Well, I know I don't Mm -hmm. like LeBron James. Sure. And the only reason I don't care about the championship that LeBron James brought to this town is not necessarily because of LeBron James. I just don't like basketball. Sure. I'm just not a basketball fan. Yeah. Never really have been a basketball fan. So I could care less if we won 10 championships in basketball. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. But I think LeBron James is a dick. Somebody posted last night and is a friend of mine. And if you're listening, I apologize, but I mean, he posted how great LeBron is because he got married and, you know, he was handed all this money and you don't hear stories about LeBron mm-hmm. and he has kids. He's involved in the kid's life and everything. Okay. Well, so am I, but there's no award for being involved in your kid's life. There's no award for being married. That's kind of what no. you're supposed to do. Well, we're we're now in a society that expects anybody that makes that makes money and makes and becomes a celebrity to be a douche. So literally, you have to celebrate the ones that aren't. And and believe me, I can't stand LeBron. I hope he never comes back to Cleveland. I I thought he was a cancer the entire time he was here, first time and second time. You know, and he's a liar, and he's a you know a shit talker, and. The way the team kissed his ass with his posse was just insanity. Just crazy. That being said, you cannot argue that he's one of the best behaved sports stars that 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 ha, that we have seen in the public eye in decades. Okay, and again, I, I just think that... But you don't hear about the behaved ones. Because there are a lot of athletes out there that do what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of athletes out there. That... Yeah, but I'm talking about superstars. Oh, yeah. I mean, most but of the superstars end up being Antonio Brown. I don't like LeBron because I just think he's an ass. I think he yeah. was an ass the way that he left Cleveland doing it on national TV. Yeah, I agree. I think that was just stupid. I think it, he, he was an ass the way that he treated the Indians when you know he went to a game. They yeah, were the Yankees treated had. him like royalty to get him inside the park, gave him mm-hmm. the seats, all that kind of stuff. And then he wears a Yankees hat in our stadium. Yeah. I think he's an ass just because I think he's an arrogant tool. Sure. But he's a great player. There's no taking that away. And yeah. you know, he brought Cleveland a championship if you like that kind of thing. I'm just not into yeah. the basketball thing. But I don't think you should get an award because you are a family guy. I don't think that's the only reason they're trying to say that he's, you know, he's he should be celebrated. I think what they're trying to say is that He's he's the lone super megastar that we've ever had in Cleveland that didn't act like an ass. I don't think the Bernie Kosar act like an ass. Bernie Kosar? Bernie's had how many DWIs? Yeah, I guess that's kind of act like an ass. You know, that's not being that's not being straight laced. You know, Ber- oh. Bernie made enough money to to hire Uber or a cab or whatever. You know, and, I, and I'm not trying to hammer on him either, but 
Yeah, there you go. There's that's about the biggest thing you've ever heard publicly about LeBron is that he's horrible. He's a horrible tipper. There was a Sharon Reed rumor, but those are just rumors. I'm not here to talk about rumors. Yeah. But Gunner, you're probably right. But I I know Sharon Reed, she's very nice. Yeah. Andre Thornton. Come on. Andre Thornton was an average player on a bad team, which made him seem like a great player. A superstar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other superstars that we've really had here. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I mean, Albert Bell? No. No. Tommy? But Tommy screwed the city. He screwed the city, but I don't know if he was, I mean, he was, a, I mean, we don't like him because of what he did that way. You know, but yeah. I, I don't think he was necessarily. I mean, to, Tommy would be, Tommy might be one. I mean, he's, Manny he's a, Ramirez? Not, eh, Manny's a goof. And Manny really didn't, you know, the, the thing that's weird about Manny if, it, is, you know, he only spent half his career here. Not even half his career here. He spent the bulk of his career away from Cleveland. You know, so I don't know that you count Manny all the way in. I yeah. think Tommy, Tommy spent half his career here. The good half. Well, not even the good half because he was good with the Phillies too. But um, Tommy might be one, but he left. I mean, that's the big problem is if you're trying to find a superstar that's that played here, I mean, you got to go way back. Bob Feller, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, don't know. I heard he was kind of an ass too, but I yeah, I don't know what Bob Feller's story was. I mean, that was what nineteen forties. Mark Price and those Cavs. Yeah, but they didn't teams. win anything. They didn't win anything. Well, they were close. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you got to put World B free up there for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well. mean, that's 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 the problem. Is we we are a city that lacks enough celebrity to make this justification. You know, I mean, who? I mean, that's. I mean, we're we're all we're we're five stars in, and we're getting into Rick Manning territory. You know, I mean, that's that's really the sadness of it. Or Jerry Dibzinski or whatever, Tom Verizer. You know, I mean, we're we're really kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel fast. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who would you have for the Browns? Even oh, Webster Webster Slaughter. Um, what's the run? What's the guy that ran the kicks back? He's a really nice dude too, and I can't think of his name. With the dreads, Cribs. Oh, Josh Cribs. Josh Cribs. I mean, Josh. Cribs. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. If you want to look into the stats that he had, and yeah. I love Josh. Yeah, and he's a super. All right, I would put Josh in a celebrity category. One of the best punt returners, if not the best punt returner of all time. Okay, but what does that get you in the national spotlight? The best punt returner of all time. I know. You but know, he's also I mean, a great guy. He does but who's have, he know. competing with? He, just in that category of punt return, who's he competing with? Um, the dude from Chicago, whatever yeah. that guy's name was, and he was a scumbag. <laughs> you know, I can't remember his name, but he he just constantly ran back for touchdowns. But Josh also was a good guy, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you don't hear anything bad about yeah. that guy. And who's the other one? Billy White Shoes Johnson? <laughs> I mean, this, this dude, when you look at when, – when you talk about LeBron, and again – I want to state this again. I hate him. Hate him. Hope he never comes back. Hope he's eliminated tomorrow or whenever they play. You know, I, I can't stand LeBron James. I always want him to lose. But when you look at the category, the caliber of superstar that he is, he is he's compared to the elite of the elite. He's compared to MJ. He's compared to Wilt Chamberlain. He's compared to Oscar Robertson, the elitist of the elite in basketball. Yeah. 
whether you take him as one, two, or three, he's there. So he's on that level. Uh, Jim Brown, clearly eight, eight rushing titles in nine years and just quit at the prime of his career to go be an actor or whatever, beat women or whatever it was that he was doing after he left the football <laughs> field. You know, he was an elite, elite player, and he, he did bring the Browns one of their very few championships. You know, so he he's in that rare air. I mean, if you talk about the greatest running backs of all time, do you put, I mean, who's the, who's the all-time leader in yards? Emmett Smith, I think. If it's yeah. Emmett Smith, do you put him above Jim Brown? Don't think so. No. Walter you know. Payton above Jim Brown? No. Yeah. Yeah, I put a Walter Payton above Jim Brown. Maybe. I, I, I don't know about Walter Payton being above Jim Brown. Payton had some, some rough years, too. There were some years at the end of his career when that guy, what was that guy's name? Neil Anderson was, was splitting carries with him. You know, O.J. Simpson. Forget the killing part of O.J. <laughs> I mean, O.J. was a, you can't take away how good O.J. was on the field. No, you can't. You can take his bust out of the uh, Hall of Fame, apparently. But. Yeah, but, you know, and, and that, that therein lies with where the problem comes with Jim Brown. If we take, if we're taking O.J. out of the, out of the Hall of Fame, and out of the running, you know, now you can't even say that he was a good Bills player. I'd imagine that in Buffalo, you cannot mention O.J. Simpson. You know, right? Don't you think? I guess. I don't know. I love O.J. I think O.J. was fantastic. He was a great player. And the he was Naked funny Gun in movies. movies. Yeah, yeah he was Naked fun Gun. in movies. <laughs> so, I, I like O.J. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he killed people, I mean, you know, yeah. is it a downside, I guess? Yeah. And, and Lord knows, just for anybody that's on Twitter... OJ's one of the very best follows on Twitter ever. If you want to follow, because all OJ does is talks about football, and then every comment underneath it is just about killing people. Every comment underneath, OJ will be like, oh my God, I can't believe that the Colts beat the Bears. And and he'll be, and then 50 comments in a row will be like, kind of like you beating Nicole, right? Or like you beat Nicole with a knife. You know, I mean, it's just brutal. Wow. But he's on there. He's the most fun follow on YouTube or on um, Twitter. Twitter. I'm going to start that like now. Yeah. Oh, dude. OJ is great. And he always starts off. What's going on, YouTube people (laughs) (laughs) or Twitter people? (laughs) He's he's hilarious on Twitter, man. He's great. See, I talked to uh, a guy that wrote books on that whole OJ murder thing. Sure. And uh, he said that, no, OJ knew that if it went to trial, he was going to be let go. And that it was actually his son right. who committed the murders. And because that's why the glove wouldn't fit because mm-hmm. it was the smaller kid. Yeah, Jason. Um, was Jason. And so that's and OJ knew, like, hey, man, I, if I go to trial, most likely I'm going to beat this thing. And yeah. And wanted to stand up for his kid and make, his, make sure his kid didn't go to jail. Uh, Tito is a manager. Tito as what? The greatest that we've had? One of the best sports figures in Cleveland. Maybe in Cleveland. But we still haven't won a World Series. Yeah, and and you know, that's like that's like saying, you know, you're the best in this regular season, but you never win anything. What is is that really the best? Tito's yeah, missing know. something. Tito's missing something. See, that's the whole thing. And I mean, if you're gonna count the greatest managers of all time, 
Are you listing Tito Francona? I don't well, think so. He, didn't I he don't take the Red so. Sox to a World Series? He did. Finally? So he has a cha- I mean, he has a championship. There, I'm not saying he doesn't. And to do what he's done with some of these Indians slash Guardians teams, I think yeah. is pretty remarkable. Because it's not like we have a high-priced talent of other markets. And, you know, we are there all the time. They're always in a running for something. I'm just doing a quick Google. Greatest managers of all time. It pulled up not well it pulled up 42 let me see if tito francona is on any of them i don't see him don't see him don't see it no he's not listed in the in the 42 greatest managers of all time now i'm I'm not going to be honest i did this on the fly it's not like we planned it some of these names i wouldn't put above tito francona to be very clear here i i sure wouldn't put mike socia over Tito yeah. Francona. No, I would not either. You know, um, I don't know that I would put Buck Showalter above him either. Uh, oh, there's Tito. Tito is on the great on the 42 greatest. He's well, what's 42 divided by three? Whatever that is, he's 42. To, he's under Walter Alston, who is a great manager. Was a great manager in the like 1920s or whatever, right. 20s or 30s or something. Oh. He's again not saying he's not great, greatest of all time though. Certainly greatest in Cleveland history. No, quite honestly, hate to be this guy. Really, it's, it's LeBron. Okay, would you? But as far as, as far as greatest the manager Indians, of all time, manager of all time in Cleveland, I might take Grover. Really? Well, Grover had so much talent on those teams. I mean, yeah, but he was able to manage it because he was able to manage it, and and much like Tito, he couldn't, he didn't win the big ones. You know, Some of the only reason he had that they talent, they should have won. The <laughs> only reason he had, though, they, they would have won too if they hadn't had that strike. Yeah, let's not forget that that strike screwed. They were what, a hundred and thirty, hundred wins, thirty losses, or something yeah. like that when the season stopped. You know, I mean, they were on pace to win like 115, 120 games. They were unstoppable that year. You know, and, and Grover had some years where he didn't have amazing talent either, and he took them to the World Series. The years when he had like Matt Williams and, um, you know, that that cast of characters and didn't have all the pitching that he had in the, still, like the I think, 95. I still think that some of those teams are still better than what we've had recently as far as talent. Sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if if you were naming top, I'll go back to managers. If I'll, I'll just list the top five that they list here, you tell me if if you think Tito is better than these five: Tony Larusa. Um. Well, um, better than Tito? You said. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. You think you think Larusa is better than Tito? Maybe. I think he's better. Than Tito. He's got multiple championships yeah. with the A's and the yeah. the what what was the National League team he was with the Cardinals. Right? Cardinals? I believe so. Uh, John McGraw. That's way early. That's like the 1910s or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll pass on doing anything about Connie Mack, another one from like the 1910s or whatever. But these are like those legendary old guys. Miller Huggins. Yeah. Now, this one, I might argue the point. Um, Davey Johnson. One with the Mets. Ah, man. That's close. I, yeah, I, th- I think Tito's better. That's a close one. Uh, Billy Martin, that's a pretty 
easy one. Can't really argue. He won. I won like yeah, forget about a bunch it. of championships. <laughs> but then again, I, I you always have to go back to um, the kind of talent that they have. What wins championships? Trip and I used to talk about this all the time. <laughs> what wins championships? Manage either the coach or the the players. I mean, it you know it really depends on who you are managing, I guess. It, it, it there, there's so many factors to it. That's why you know. That's why I, I I certainly, if I was picking Tito, would be much lower on my list of all time Cleveland great guys, just because Tito can't do it alone. Tito has to have the combination of players that are all connecting at the right time and doing, you know, playing well at the right time. He has to have a front office that gets it and knows, you know, like as an example, when they, when they traded Kluber, yeah, when they traded Kluber, don't lie and say you weren't one of those. It was like, what the hell are they doing? Trading the Cy Young guy. Everybody thought that. And then it turned out to be a brilliant move. I thought that. At first, but at the same time, you know, I did have the privilege of working closer to the team, with mm-hmm. the, you know, the station I was with, and so there, you know, you knew that there was something wrong with that guy. Sure, you knew there was either injuries, there was something going wrong with Kluber that uh, they weren't letting you know. Yeah, and so when they traded, yeah, I was kind of pissed. Like, okay, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think they knew something <laughs> that maybe not everybody knew. Well, dude, how about Lindor? They yeah, might- I was kind of angry about that one. And yet, it's turned out to be better because what's his name that's on the that's on the team now? Jimenez. Or, I don't really watch yeah. the Indians, but Jimenez is a better player than Lindor. That Lindor, I mean, he suffered a little bit when he went over to the Mets, but I think you know he's been doing all right. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Smith. Uh, he's he's one of my guys. <laughs> he he follows all my things. <laughs> There's another Toomey show coming, Kevin. It's just in production right now. You do a lot of stuff, man. You're always a, out there. I'm a busy guy. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, so, I, I don't know. I Back to the original point of the Jim Brown conversation. Yeah. I, I, I still – I like Jim Brown as a player. I think he's a great player. Agree. I, I think that he's probably the, one of the best or the best Cleveland Brown of all time. Of course. And But I just – I get tired of seeing all the love and the praise and everything else without people talking about the bad stuff, because that seems to be the mm-hmm. way people do things now. Well, I mean, I know there are certain people out there, and I've talked to them, and I know them personally, who have said, I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump if it was over sure. a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's their quote, not mine. Sure. And I said, well, you know, it's not about the person it's about who's running the country. Okay. Well, let, let me let me. It's ask not you about this. the person. It's about who's scoring touchdowns. And everybody seems to overlook the person when it comes to Jim Brown, sure. but not the other way around. Now, I know it's not the president of the United States, but when I want the country to run right, that's what I want. Look, and, and I don't care Cle- what they do. Let's be honest. In Cleveland, a Browns player, probably more important than the president of the United States. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I dude, it, it, I mean, it goes both ways, and this is this is where I think we get lost in our own in our own world of politics sometimes. Because I could tell you, and there's 400 different videos of me saying it on the classic metal show when Hillary Clinton was running. Yeah. I said numerous times. My exact quote was, "I would vote for the BTK killer over Hillary <laughs> because he killed less people." Yeah. You know, I said that over and over and over and over. And I meant it, and I would have. I wouldn't have cared 
You could have tried a Ted Bundy, the, the ticket of Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway versus Hillary Clinton and whoever was her running mate, and I would have absolutely voted for the Serial Killers 2020. I would have been that guy because I I would have never voted for Hillary. Same as people on the left would not vote for Donald Trump. It, it, I mean, again, it, it becomes quite the game. And I think... Here, the only problem I really have with 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 taking it back to Jim Brown is I don't think we should be erecting statues of guys that have, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple accusations of anything criminal on them, whether they're guilty or not. You know, I, I'm again, this is just me. I'm a believer in the where there's smoke, there's fire when there, when there's a lot of smoke. There's more likely fire. And when you see the flames, there's definitely been some fire. Jim Brown, we definitely saw the flames. Yeah. You know, what what you read? Seven or eight eight accusations of beating women up? Uh, there's, yeah, there's a few. Okay, that's that's more than one match being lit. That's a that's a stick of dynamite there going off. You know, I mean he he had some he had some issues with women. And I'm serious, I'm not trying to trash somebody that just passed away. God yeah. knows, man. Uh, when I go, there's going to be plenty that people could trash me for. Um, but I'm also not in the limelight like that. I'm also not, you know, being recognized on billboards throughout mm-hmm. town. And, you know, I just, when I saw the billboard and I was reading all these articles and I found this article on Cleveland.com talking about, right. hey, you know, all this stuff that he's done in the past kind of is part of his legacy. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that. And you know maybe they should remember some of the bad things that the guy. I mean, I'm sure, sure the girls that accused him of rape and beating the hell out of him, tossing him out balconies, aren't you know, sitting there saying what a great football player that guy was. I'm so glad, yeah. or so upset that he's gone. Yeah, I'm quite sure the woman that got thrown off the balcony is not booking a ticket to the funeral. No, <laughs> and so I just think that it's kind of weird how we work as a society and think that. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're we're all we're all celebrity struck, and I you know I, there's another word for it, but I'm trying not to cuss today as much. But uh, <laughs> you know there there's there's this thing about celebrity where for whatever reason we're just we just allow things that we would not allow our friends and neighbors to do, but we allow them to do. You know, like uh, what's the kid? What's the guy's name? The big tall receiver for the Steelers. Um, Plaxico Burris yeah, well, yeah. shot himself in the leg <laughs> right. in a club with a yeah. gun in his sweats. Right. And, and did that, you know, if you did that, you would have done two to five Yeah. for discharging a weapon and in, you know, in a club, you would have done at least two years for that. What did he do? Nothing. Went to the, he, he did community service, I think. You know, and it's a lot, there's a lot of people out there like that. I mean, the mm-hmm. Ray Lewis's of the world, and but even Dude. the little things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with these people that are so called, um, that our kids look up to, sure, role models. Dude, we all do, we all do it, we've all done it. Look at I'll go back to my world, which is more music than than sports or whatever. In the music world, what was the biggest tour last year in the rock world? Do you know? No. It was the big stadium tour with Motley Crue oh, and Poison Def and Def Leppard or whatever. Yeah. Motley Crue Holy singer. Holy crap, those guys. Yeah. Motley Crue singer killed somebody. <laughs> killed somebody. 
killed him in a drunk driving car. He was him and the guy's name was Razzle. He was he played in a band called Hanoi Rocks. Killed him drunk driving. Right. Then you got Tommy Lee. Forget about him. I, I mean, multiple arrests. Arrested. Did jail time for beating Pam Anderson. Did all this bad stuff. Then you've got you know Nikki Six with the drugs. I mean, you. There's a point in all of our lives where we as we we allow celebrities to get away with stuff. You know, I think in the end, and I'll, I'll just be my final statement on Jim Brown. My final thought with Jim Brown is: Did he do some bad shit? Of course he did. That being said, he also did a lot of good stuff. I mean, you cannot argue that he was he put himself out there to negotiate the the riots in Watts. Right. You can't argue the fact that he, you know, he was an advocate for speaking your mind and, you know, not, you know, stepping up, not stepping up. You know, he was, and, and again, he was the greatest football player ever to play in Cleveland. So yep. you got to kind of accept him for what he was. All right. Speaking of rock stars. Yes. Uh, we have our own coming up in just a minute here. Yes, we do. A quick break. Joel Hoekstra will be joining us in about two minutes. Maybe we should ask him about rock star life and what it's like to be a role model and, you know. Zero chance he answers you. Zero right. chance. I well, don't we'll trust see. Joel on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We do have a new sponsor, Yellow Brick Road okay. Auctions. Very excited about them joining the uh, the program. Uh, very interesting stuff. So listen to it. And uh, you got to check out their website, yellowbrickroadauctions.com. Uh, uh, very cool stuff. We'll, we'll be back in about two minutes. Hang on. Right. There's no place like home, and whether it's furniture, artwork, home accessories, appliances, or that one-of-a-kind collectible, Yellow Brick Road Online Auctions allows you to find everything you need from the comfort of your own home. The owner of Yellow Brick Road Auctions has been conducting online estate auctions for over eight years by providing homeowners with a stress-free process to liquidate all items that have accumulated over the years. I'm Melissa Mendici, owner of Yellow Brick Road Auctions. Log on today to find your heart's desire. Hey, it's Seth from Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road in the Pleasant Valley Shopping Center right next to Big Lots. You got to check out Mario, man. Great guy, does a lot for charities, but can perform miracles with hair. He even made me look clean cut. Does my hair, does a great job. Love talking to the guy while I'm sitting there. It's a great place to go local business. You gotta go to Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Mario's Barbershop in Parma, 7526 Broadview Road. Again, in Parma, Pleasant Valley Shopping Center, right next to Big Lots. Or give them a call, 216-520-1977. That's 216-520-1977, Mario's Barbershop in Parma. Trust Joe's Lakewood Computer at 14035 Madison in Lakewood. They have over 30 years of professional service handling laptop and desktop repair services, virus removal, and data migration, and much more. You can trust them with hardware updates to your computer's memory and hard drive. Call 216-651-3880. Whether you need a simple Windows install or you're interested in the latest computers for gaming, call Joe's Lakewood Computer at 216-651-3880. 
This is Tim Elkhorn, radio voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers for attorney Will Spiegelberg. Will Spiegelberg is not only a name you know, he's someone you can trust as your attorney no matter the circumstance. Will Spiegelberg is an attorney you can always count on. Will Spiegelberg is the attorney you should contact for all your legal work. When you need an attorney, call Will Spiegelberg at 216-233-4240. Attorney... Awesome stuff. And joining us now, Joel Hoekstra. How you doing, my friend? Great. How are you guys? Good, good. We are fantastic. Good to have you on. Thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Well, Joel, you're a busy guy, man. When you're not in any of your 15 bands, you've um <laughs> you're you're now building Joel Hoekstra's 13. You have what? This is the third record with Crash of Life out on June the 13th great stuff um let's start there man tell us a little bit about this one comes pretty fast off the last one as well as right at the same time as revolution saints so kind of talk about where you're at you know musically and creatively um yeah i mean it's this is something that i started i guess back in 2015 i think as i was you know, getting more well-known for being in the hard rock bands, et cetera. You know, my time with Night Ranger, Rock of Ages, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which, you know, of course, still with, White Snake, still with. But, um, you know, I, my solo albums were kind of done back when I was doing instrumental stuff, a little more like two kind of almost, uh, I guess, jazz, like rock fusion, you know, sure. and, and, and an acoustic record, all instrumental. So I had a lot of people saying, how come you don't have any solo music out that's like, a, you know, rock stuff? And so I thought, well, I'd like to do that, but I don't really want to do the style where like, you know, the guitar player is taking like, you know, two minute solos in every song or sure. doing like the instrumental thing anymore um, or progressive even where it really didn't sound all that appealing to me. So um, I just kind of came up with this concept of trying to create like songs where I do all the writing. So I write all the riffs and then I write the lyrics and the vocal melodies, but try to come from a place of like just, you know, songs and what got me into this whole scene in the first place when I was a kid, you know, what made me like that era of rock and roll. So and obviously this stuff is kind of no matter what spun like 2023. It's not exact. It doesn't exactly sound like an 80s record if you listen to it, but I'm certainly inspired by that that era of music. No doubt. Well, let, let's talk about this record. It's something that you just said, which I think is fascinating coming from you, which is that you write everything for Joel Holkstra's 13. Is that, is it a difficult adjustment or how do you adjust between that with this band 
and other projects and bands that you've been in, you know, obviously White Snake, that's a David Coverdale. You know, I know you write with him, but everything goes through him as far as the creative process. And then Revolution Saints, which I, again, you collaborate, I, I believe on, but it's not only you. Is there is there like a switch that has to turn on or off when you switch between projects? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's cool. I'm not opposed to doing the collaborative thing. I think it's great. Um, I think it's intriguing to figure out, you know, what kind of results you get from different approaches. Um, so everyone has a different level that I, I, you know, move with. Like you said, you know, Coverdale, you know, for the most part, he's going to have an idea of a song and mm -hmm. maybe say, where would you take it from there? And you can contribute like guitar riffs, ideas where to go. You can't contribute like vocals or anything like that because that's his territory, right? Mm -hmm. Rightfully so. No, no issues with that. That's, you know, that's David Coverdale. Um, and it was kind of the same, you know, with Night Ranger. Like, you know, it was sure. like be able to like put some guitar riffs in and things like that or come up with some kind of bed for them to like write lyrics or sing on. Um, but it wasn't going to be my gig to be like writing the lyrics and the melodies, et cetera. Right. Um, so similar with Iconic, um, my project with Michael Sweet and Tommy Aldridge and Marco Mendoza and Nathan James. So that, um, you know, I, what I do for that is I do the guitar riffs unarranged. Michael Sweet arranges them. They go to right. Alessandro and then Nathan and they write the lyrics and the vocal melodies. So, you know, all these things I'm cool with. But like every once in a while you want to be the guy that just is like, hey, man, I'm going to do all of it. Right. <laughs> and, and I get the, the final say so in the mix and, you know, the production elements and, and the guy to like, okay, the artwork, et cetera. And you have some input on all that. So it's a lot more work. I'll tell you that. Like, you know, when you, when you do this, I literally like sing the entire record as a guide vocal for the lead vocalist to listen right. to and go from, um, very long answer to your question, but no, I mean, right. I, I, bottom line is I'm cool with all of it. Like, you know, if, if, if it's a, it's whatever framework it's in, like, let's see what we get. And that's cool. Cause you know, I don't know if necessarily I want every project to be like something that I'm doing all of. Um, sure. It can be cool to be just like a piece of the puzzle too. Um, but these, you know, the Joel Hoekstra's 13 things that, you know, the albums are, uh, they're very much my babies. All right. So first I got to, tell you that my sister-in-law is watching listening whatever and she's a super huge fan so he keeps sending me texts and stuff on my phone of just hearts and i'm like all right <laughs> i'm doing the show you gotta stop sending texts of just hearts so she apparently is a big fan um what was it about the 80s music that made it so different from um the, the sounds that have come since then and rock music to me isn't the same as it was back then and i like the fact that they're bands out there still trying to keep that sound alive what made that kind of sound so special different um you know i'm not necessarily like um 100 80s guy i kind of yeah. like i am a i would say more of a classic rock guy because i've fallen so far out of touch with like you know people ask me about new bands i'm like dude i have no idea like, it sucks <laughs> I, I work on music all the time, so I fall behind because my career got so busy that it's like, well, I worked on music like six, seven hours today. Do I want to like sit back and listen to new bands? <laughs> right. Like, want to like get away from music, basically. So um, 
I mean, ACDC's what got me in. That's what pulled me in back in black, you know, hearing that and seeing Angus Young and being like, that's the coolest dude I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, that was great hard rock. And I really loved, I would say the, you know, 70s stuff where the bands were kind of prolific together. The 80s, I loved how all the guitar players were prolific, you know, like sure. we had this whole, this whole movement where all the guitar players really um, were technically you know amazing really i mean it was like expected that you were going to be a, a great lead player in the 80s so that was fun you know having that um become the norm and i even like some of the 90s stuff you know like i i definitely like allison chains and i like Soundgarden, and and i like stone temple pilots i think there's a lot of good songs there some of it wasn't for me um and I didn't really understand the whole, I don't want to be a rock star, but I'm going to keep putting out albums mentality. It was like, right. well, you can not be a rock star in a hurry. You could just stop recording or <laughs> putting out your music publicly. That um, So that didn't necessarily make sense to me. But, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the 80s, that just happened to be that magic era where I was starting guitar, you know, and there was a lot of inspiration uh, guitar wise in that that generation. And, and I think what appealed to me too, as a kid was because like, you know, the guitar being good on guitar was cool in the eighties. It was cool to like accept other styles. Like you, you know, you could put on Al Miola back then and have people not be like, what are you listening to this for? You know? Right. 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 Um, whereas I don't know if this generation, they think the same, you know, like I loved the guitar heroes like Steve Morse, who was putting out, you know, you could listen to one of his records and there would be a country track on there, you know, right. and just, you know, all these different styles represented. Um, or you listen to, you know, these guys who were taking it out there, you know, Steve Vai kind of became the Hendrix of the eighties, you know, mm -hmm. kind of making all the, all the wild sounds and all the, you know, psychedelia and putting it with all the technical capabilities that he was doing and, um, so, you know, that, that stuff was cool to me too, but really the, the core of it for me was like all bands, you know, like I just love the, the, the bands, right. um, love the tunes. And, and so that's what this comes down to for me. It's like, all right, I don't really want to use this as like a guitar showcase. I want to use it as like, what would I have liked to listen to when I was younger? Yeah. Because I, Chris and I argue about this kind of stuff all the time because I turned on the radio the other day. And there's like three freaking rock stations and none of them are playing any good new rock. <laughs> I don't know if there's any good new rock out there. And Chris Brunch telling me there is, yeah, but it's tons. still the same old stuff that I love. But man, rock music today needs a new breath of fresh air. I think that, the, I mean, certainly online, like as you flip through the instrument of guitar is... Um, it's veering towards sensationalism a lot. Like it's sort of like, you know, how you have the singing contests online. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's not necessarily about like, it, when you think about who the great singers are, they weren't always great singers because of like range or anything sure. fantastic. They just had like a cool quality and it's the same with guitar. It wasn't always the guy who like could play a million miles an hour or like, you know, um, play technically the greatest, you know, look at David Gilmore, man, you know, he was yeah. as slow hand as it gets and yet definitely a guitar great, you know, you never heard David Gilmore ripping off any fast licks, you know, I mean, it was always just really tasty. Um, so I think, 
you know, online, we're veering towards that. Like you scroll through Instagram and there's all these guys mm-hmm. shredding and there's all these guys shredding, but there's never the moment where it just kind of is like, oh, this is, you know, really, really tasteful music. And like, <laughs> well, and, and you know what it is too, Joel? And, and, I, and I'll point to an exact example of it. There's a guitar player out there named Nick Nocturnal who's huge on YouTube. He's like got, you know, 800,000 followers or some crazy number. And I know I talked to him one time and I just asked him, why don't you put together a band to go out there and play? And he's like, why? You know, because today's mentality is I can put out a song, I can get 2 million views on it and never, never have to haul my, my guitar and my amps and all that, you know, it's, it's a different mentality than the mentality we grew up with, with holding an album and looking at it and then wanting to see that face from that record five feet in front of me you know it's just a different mentality yeah and I, you know at the end of the day i think it's fine like it's it's just an observation because it, it's it's veered towards sensationalism but like at mm-hmm. the same time whatever keeps people into music you know right like, I, I if if forced to like have american idol and the voice on television versus another you know keeping up with the kardashians or whatever let's right. go with american idol and the voice <laughs> shall we you know, I think we're all in agreement there. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're still better off having that because it's still going to make kids want to sing and mm-hmm. still like inspire them to, to um, pursue music. And, and the guitar thing is the same way. You know, it's like it might be a bit about that, but at least it's personally it's making people, um, you know, I guess, push themselves on the instrument. And, um, you know, it, it's all good at the end of the day. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a rock dinosaur, you know, I mean, <laughs> I've been doing this a long time now. So I kind of, I grew up, you know, playing in the bars and, and all that sure. and, and you know, paying my dues. And uh, so it took a long time, in fact, for things to really kind of take off for me and have me do like relatively well, whatever we're going to say I do. Um, so, you know, I, I think all that was really good for me to go through all the different musical experiences. I, I, I really wouldn't change a thing, man. Sure. I'd maybe just wish I was like, you know, financially set for life would be a great feeling right now. But, <laughs> you know, um, uh, beyond that, I, I kind of dig like the whole crazy path that I've had. Right. Now you well, grew up, I, I read, playing piano and cello. Is that correct? Yeah, my parents were classical musicians, so they had me going really early, and I was really young. And I was like, man, I want to be a pitcher. Like, that's what I was doing back then. I used to pitch all day. Every okay. Day. And, like, I was like the, you know, the, the fastest pitcher in my little league and won the <laughs> World Series a couple times. And I was like, that, that's what I'm going to do. And then uh, suddenly everybody shot up to this height, and I was still here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm not cool anymore. Everybody's, like, hitting my pitching. And I got – so, and right about at that same time was the ACDC thing for me, you know, okay. and, that, and then going like, Hey, what about guitar? That could be cool. Like, I got, I like that guy. And then, um, that really stuck. It just stuck from day one, you know, like I, it, it just took learning rock. Right. Um, so at first I, I had my stepmom's acoustic and I, uh, you know, had a teacher teaching me how to read the notes. And I was like, this isn't what I pictured it being. I, I want to be Angus Young. How do I get to do that when I'm learning, you know, the three notes on the high E string mm. here in the, in the book? Right. But, um, you know, thankfully, a friend of mine steered me towards this teacher that was teaching rock songs. And okay. so like, you know, for lesson number one, he showed me Paranoid. And I was like, that's the first rock tune I learned how to play. And I went nice. like, you know, and my parents were like, well, we're not going to buy an amp until we're sure you're going to stick with this. You know, right. like I, 
had to pay my dues for them to buy me an amp. But the luckily that same teacher said, well, you know what you can do? You take this cable, you plug into the auxiliary input of your home stereo. And I went, <laughs> oh, cool. So home stereo went on that. And nice. at that point in time, the parents were like, oh, my gosh, what have we gotten ourselves into here? You know, the whole neighborhood could hear me probably out of tune playing Paranoid. Did you ever think about doing like a classical kind of album? Somebody was texting and asking. Um, I mean, an acoustic album did uh, classical guitar for, I would say, took lessons with that my last couple of years of high school and then actually did two years of college where I played more of that than I did rock. Um, but it just wasn't me at the end of the day. You know, right. like I the way I look at myself with all this stuff is I've kind of understood. I have the understanding of how to play straight ahead jazz a bit as well. And I, I tinker with all this stuff, but I kind of like being able to pull some of those ideas into the rock world and be like, aha, you know, I got away with doing that in, in the rock scene uh, more so than actually pursuing, um, you know, I, I think to do something like that, you really have to be like committed to that. And I just, I just wasn't who I am at the end of the day to be like, I'm just going to play classical guitar eight hours a day, you know? Sure. Definitely. You tore the share. I have to know what that was like. Um, you know, it was cool. You know, Coverdale was having his knee replacement surgery done in 2017. So it gave us the heads up. And I just sent out a bunch of texts to people being like, hey, don't really need a new gig. But like if anybody needs a sub or somebody to fill in this year, let me know. Because, you know, I kind of got the year off of touring here. And uh, that ended up being a really interesting year, just kind of, you know, building building a lot of random things. And then so. One of the people I texted was my friend Justin Derrico, who plays guitar with Pink, and he plays on The Voice. And mm -hmm. the other guitar player on The Voice is Dave Barry, shares guitarist. And right at that time, he happened to be saying to him, man, I need to find somebody to fill in for me, you know, while I'm doing The Voice here with, with Cher. Right. And so Justin said, I know it's going to sound weird, but what, what about Joel Hoster from Whitesnake? You know, he's like, he can play different styles, and he can he understands how to do this, you know. So um, anyway, I... It, that really was supposed to be like a few shows and it ended up being like a few years really. So it wow. turned into a lot more than I thought it was going to be. And, uh, you know, it was great, great musicians, really good time. Um, as far as share, you know, I mean, it's not like we were hanging out going for coffee in the morning or something. Right. Like that. But, you know, she, she had some fun stuff she would do with all of us where she would take us to the movies and stuff like that. Or there was like bingo night and like everybody would like <laughs> sure. hang out. And so, I mean, you know, she was cool. It just a different, different atmosphere than, um, you know, like say a buddy in your band, you're not going to be like, Hey, what are you doing right now? You know, right. Hanging out? And maybe, right. you know, did, did you take the online beating that like Demi Lovato, Demi Lovato, um, Nita Strauss took when she joined Demi Lovato? Um, no, I think it was a, a different situation. I mean, I think that was, you know, sort of framed at the time. I mean, because she needed to miss some time that right. she was like quitting, even though I don't think she was really quitting. I think they were just kind of like, okay, she's going to go do this. Sure. Um, I always prioritize white snake over share so if, okay. there, if there was like a white snake show or a tour that was i was there right um, and i mean that was sort of the understanding when i got hired on share i was like well look you know i have two things that white snake and trans siberian orchestra that when those happen right. 
I, I tried talking them out of hiring me, basically. I mean, I was like, look, I don't know that I'm really the right guy that you want to have, like, coming in here as, like, your full-time guy because I have a couple things that are. Sure. So, anyway, there's there's the difference, I guess, you know. Yeah. And, and maybe if they had said up front, like, Nita's going to take some time off to do that, mm-hmm. it would, she wouldn't have had that kind of um, – response from rock because yeah. yeah, she did take a beating oh boy <laughs> it was rock, not for well the internet's never friendly though is it <laughs> no. rock, rock fans can be brutal sometimes i mean there's definitely some people that like man i lost a lot of especially you know um when you drag the politics into it you know people assume like whenever you're playing for somebody that you're mm. necessarily aligned with every single political view they must have especially these days and, right you know, so um you know that there was a lot of, you know, uh, you know, share tends to be pretty outspoken with that. So there was a lot sure. of people that, you know, like, yeah, you, yeah. From, you can still rock in America with night Ranger, you know, and it's a, <laughs> you know, to, to share. So, you know, that, like, you know, it, my whole thing is like, it's a gig. Like, I don't right. care. I'm like, I, I don't care. I think, like the politics are not my thing, man. You know, I'm, right. like, I just want to play my guitar. Can I just play? Exactly. What about well, TSO? How's it going with TSO? What's it like playing that kind of music compared to the White Snake stuff? Um, well, TSO is like, you know, it's Trans-Siberian Orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, number one, there's a lot more people. Uh, it's something that I would say there's just because of the history, that being sabotage and to maximize the amount of shows, it's essentially sabotage split two ways. And then they fill in the band with people, you know, somebody like myself being one of those people. Um, it's, so you just find the, you know, you, you just know your place in every gig you do, like what the situation is, you know, I mean, it, it's important to me, like with Whitesnake that, um, you know, for obviously it's David Coverdale's band, you know, but like, you know, David does put us on the shirts and he puts us in the tour programs and right with, I got to write with him on the the last record. And, um, you know, you, you definitely feel like, Hey, band you know so and david's really great about championing his players and you know promoting online and um that's uh just something that's been great about that especially because you know for me leading into white snake there had been a lot of u.s stuff for me you know mm-hmm. i was i was playing rock of ages in new york city eight shows a week i was touring with trans-siberian orchestra in the u.s and i right. was like um, Night Ranger, we would, we would go to Japan and maybe like an occasional, like one off in the UK or something, but pretty much a U.S. band, you know, Night Ranger does a lot of, uh, U.S. dates. And so for me, it was really cool joining White Snake because it was like, Hey, people in South America care, people all across Europe care, people in the UK really care about White Snake. you know, right. there was such a long history there before, um, the band broke. And, you know, so being able to go to Australia and South America and, and you know um different territories than i've ever been able to get to and how people actually care like who i was was right. amazing to me you know <laughs> like, are, nice. are those overseas shows kind of cool or is there a bigger response audience size wise than here in the states because i mean I, it seems like rock in general does a lot better now anyways when you see the concerts overseas i'd say definitely in the uk i mean I think it depends on what area Whitesnake plays in, but like, you know, the UK, we were, we headlined 
arenas going through there on right. the, this farewell tour. I mean, I don't know that in the U.S. we would necessarily be able to headline arenas. You know, okay. we might we were slated to open for the Scorpions, um, it, you know, in sheds and, right. uh, and some arenas, I think. But um, I, th I think you could safely say that Whitesnake is more popular in the U.K. than in the U.S. I, that's just by nature because there was, you know, so many records were big there before. Right. Why Sagan became popular in the U.S. Right, definitely being on tour a lot, like you know, like you are. Um, I know here in Cleveland, like a lot of the small clubs and venues that used to have all these rock bands come in all the time. Um, is that the same way across the country? Are all a lot of these small clubs and little venues closing up, or I mean, that's the way rock music was meant to be? And and now it seems like a lot of those places aren't around anymore. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I know, like, you know, heading out and doing some of the, the, I guess, smaller stuff that I do are the acoustic duo shows of my friend Brandon Gibbs. And yeah. we're still able to find a little network of things that we can go do out there and be able to play. And um, I personally like that because those are the shows where, like, the actual fans show up, like the people that actually care who you are. Um, you know, you take the bigger gigs and there's going to be a significant portion of that audience that's the casual fan that might not even know, like, my name by the end of the gig or, you know, walk out and go, yeah, the, the, you know, the blonde haired guy. Or whatever, <laughs> you know, that. So when you when you're playing those smaller gigs and it's advertised under your name, that's when you really start seeing who the diehard fans are. Sure. We're really following everything you're doing and and come out so those can be really cool to play um because you it gives you an opportunity to connect with your really diehard fan base right on. um so i i think there's still opportunities out there um i suppose it's like anything else in life you could look at like every obstacle or you could look at the stuff that's there you know right well, there's no question it's not what it used to be but it hasn't been what it used to be since i even got old enough to be gigging with bands i mean right. in the chicago area where i grew up the drinking age was 18 prior to okay. my just prior to my days you know what i mean if you go back to the 70s so you take like a lot of those bands like when sticks was a local band you know mm -hmm. banging around there those guys were you know they're playing both nights on the weekend and you know making mad bank and we're for, for kids in high school that is you know? <laughs> right and uh and living it up for my generation we kind of would play like the all ages show maybe once a month maybe twice a month right um but yeah we still had some great great talent in the scene you know in in my little local area there in the, the suburbs of chicago you know disturbed came out of there right I used, you know, used to be in the same local scene with Dan Donegan, their guitarist, and you know, it's fun for me to see him succeed and do well, and and um, see those guys do well. Danny was always a great guy. He was a great guy even when we were just little kids, you know. When we were, I've known him since I was probably fourteen or something like that. He was always a great guy. Right on. Well, dude, let's pull it back to your record because we do got to promote the record. Joel Holkstra's 13 Crash of Life on June the 13th. It will be out. Everybody should buy it, not just stream it, but actually buy it. Yes. That's like a rule. You have to buy music if it's available to buy. But is it, not, is it not June 16? Is it June 16? I think it's so good. Okay. All right. I either I've been saying it wrong all day and you're right. I'm glad you're on here because uh, I, I, I could very well be wrong. I, I, I took it from the press 16. release, but I, I think it's June 16, bro. I'm pretty sure. 
All right, the, the second week of June, go buy it. How's that? In fact, go buy it now, right? Can you pre-order it? Yeah, yeah, you can pre-order right now. So After. don't even wait for the date. Buy it today uh, as soon as this interview ends. Yeah, you can just yes. get it now and just <laughs> be yours when it when it's. Absolutely. Well, dude, let's dig into a couple of the tunes, man, because there, there's a couple songs that I, I really, really dug. My favorite being Damaged Goods, which is your guitar playing on that alone, you know, you don't do yourself justice talking about yourself as a player. This one song has you playing like three or four different styles of guitar, all mixed, mixed and matched, but it works. Talk a little bit about this one, man, because I got to imagine of all of the songs on this, this had to be your showcase song. Um, This was just a, you know, like a, I suppose like a, you know, a cool little hook with the vocal and a guitar kind of doubling it because yeah. the opening riff was really busy. So when you, when you write a really busy riff on guitar, you go, it's almost kind of Iron Maiden-ish or something, right. you know, and then you think, okay, so what's the hook over the top? Because that might be a cool riff, but it's not like something some people can sing. I always like having like a section, have something that can be something that people can have stuck in their head. Right. Um, so that required me writing that little melodic hook over the top. Right. Um, and then the, uh, I would say the verse is kind of like that core sound of the Joel Hoshis 13 thing, that like Dio-ish kind of sound. You mm -hmm. know, I got Vinny Apice on drums in this and uh, Tony Franklin on bass, who, yeah. you know, he, he fits right into that style, that sound um, so well. Um, and so that's always kind of been the core, you know, and, and sure. Gears might have a different tone than Dio, but he likes, he sings gritty. And so I say that it's kind of based on that. And, uh, you know, the chorus, I mean, almost like might, might even be like a little bit of like a Pantera-ish kind of riff mm -hmm. in a way, maybe not as aggressive a tone as, as Dimebag, but, you know, sure. um, but like where that riff is derived from or influenced by. So, sure. um, well, you know, you you took some Iron Maiden, you put some Pantera in. I can't imagine how any metalhead could think that's bad. I mean, it's no, so no, good. I don't know. I'd Damaged Goods is fits in like slightly below the heaviest tracks. I, I feel sure. like the heaviest tracks are probably like far too deep, and everybody knows everything. And then, mm -hmm. you know, Damaged Goods fits right in there. Sure. So there's like this heavier end of the spectrum, and then you know you've got. Um, a couple ballads, you know, mellower tunes. And then somewhere in between, you got stuff that kind of falls in the Zeppelin ACDC kind of influence category, right. you know, like uh, uh, Don't Have Words is very ACDC influenced. And sure. um, uh, You're Right For Me is very Zeppelin-y. It's like uh, I wrote that on, you know, an open tuning on acoustic like Jimmy Page. Right. You know, it would be in the open tunings. And, and then I ended up just throwing a Sans amp on there to distort it a little bit. And okay. Kind of out and then add some power chords around it and toughen right. out a bit you know sure and then the other one you know since we're since we're just throwing names out there not tonight feels very white snake like almost like that could have been something you wrote for white snake and didn't make it but it's got a very still of the night ish that da -da 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 -da, you know at the beginning part like yeah so for me that feels like zeppelin-y okay you know which is white snakey you yeah. know Definite correlation between Zeppelin and White Snake, and then uh, the chorus I would say for me is like you know Dokken-ish or something. Uh, okay, yeah, 
you know, like I could hear Don Dawkins singing that melody in the chorus sure. very easily. So, you know, that's all kind of stuff I grew up on as well. I, that's my first band that I was ever in. We, we covered a lot of them. That was the band that we sounded good covering. Our singer sounded a little like him. And I, you know, was, could cover Georgia's stuff a little bit at that age. And so. Sure. Very good, man. Well, dude, you mentioned Gearish. Uh, Gearish Prod, Prod, is it Prodden? I don't know how to say his last name. Man, no, I don't. You either? uh, The funniest story was I sent, so they wanted us to do an announcement about this and and kind of release it staggered. And so I I sent a voice memo to to one of the guys at the label and said, so Gearish Pradhan, right? Is that how I pronounce his name? Because I don't want to say it incorrectly on this. And they said, "Yeah, man, no, you got it. That's it, dude." So I, so I made this this video, and then it, when it came time for him to make his, you know, he said it with an accent that I was like, "Oh, forget it." <laughs> baseball man, I was like, it sounded nothing like the way I said it. So I went, "Okay, I guess we're just, you know, look, my name is supposed to be if you do the Dutch pronunciation, have like a hook, hook." Hoekstra. You know, like a hook, but right. nobody would ever get that out of H-O-E-K. So I, I just say hoekstra because right. I have mercy on, you know, the... <laughs> on us. <laughs> on us, yeah. yeah. I mean, my name is hard enough to, to say or spell anyway. So, I mean, I'm right. like, look, I got enough problems on my hands, much less hoping they're going to get the Dutch thing going. Right on, man. Well, dude, I did want to talk about Gearish, who, you know... I, for me personally, the best album of 2022 was his, was the was the Gears and the Chronicles record. So good. So for anybody that likes 80s style, it's so out of the Skid Row-ish sort of book, you know, that, that anybody that like that will love that. How did, he, how did you end up working with him? And specifically, how do you end up working with anybody and not just elevating your guy, JSS, up to being the singer in your band? Um, well, I mean, Jeff sang half the lead vocals on the first record. Yeah. And so it was Russell Allen and then Jeff sang, sang half of the lead vocals. And that was like kind of the only bag on that album was people were like, I don't get the two lead singers. It's like, well, it's a project, man. I can do whatever right. I want, right? <laughs> right. Leave me alone. And uh, it's Jeff's got Soto, damn it. Um, and then the second one, I decided, well, let's just have Russell sing it. And and I was and Jeff and I are just, you know, we're good friends. And that, so he does these is mainly a favor to me, you know, like singing background on the, the second one. And then um, with this one, uh, with Gearish, same thing. I think it comes down to more the fact that Jeff already fronts a lot of stuff. And right. Like, you know, yeah, Jeff could sing it and front it, sure, easily, you know. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, he, he, he's he got a lot of stuff that he already does. Yeah, yeah I know. I get a press release every month with his next release. It's crazy yeah. with that guy. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it was kind of a, an opportunity to, uh, you know, start out with Gearish, who, you know, was um, – kind of I, I guess you know got that young and hungry eye of the tiger thing going on sure. you know i think he's looking to make a name for himself and um as you said like you know i watched uh the gearish and the chronicle stuff when the label said what about what about this guy and and they sent me um some links and i went well yeah, amazing screamer but like like you said it's kind of like you know a young sebastian bach or something mm-hmm. We're like wow man you know this dude's like screaming away amazing range Problem is, is like with my stuff, I'm like, 
okay, my stuff's more like Ronnie James Dio through like Lou Graham or Paul Rogers. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So it takes some ability to just kind of sing and not, none of those guys are, were the high screamer type. Right. But even Dio wasn't really a high screamer type. Yeah, power, true. Power screamer, but not really like a, you know, a high, um, high tenor, you know, that kind of came in with Jeff Tate doing all mm-hmm. that stuff. Everybody started doing that after Jeff Tate was there. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I just gave gears to stuff and was like, you know, look, this is kind of, you know, the vibe and, and the, every track I got from him, I was like, wow, well, he can really do it all. He's really a chameleon. He can kind of fit the vibe of whatever the song needs. So he's kind of the, the perfect guy. Cause the music is, is pretty diverse on the record. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's not like there's like, Hey, every song sounds exactly the same. It ranges from that really heavy stuff to like, you know, ballady kind of stuff that even, right. you know, one of the ballads even has some kind of R&B type changes on this. Um, so it's it's a pretty diverse sound of record. So finding someone that can fit the bill and all that, it's not easy. Right on. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, yeah. So much appreciate it. The new album, again, June 16th. That's where we're going with, correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure to buy it at June 16th. Pre-order it now. Uh, appreciate you coming on, man. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you guys helping out and spreading the word. Definitely. Absolutely. I, I just, we need more new, good rock music. So keep it coming, my friend. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. I'll, I'll do. I, I'm working hard every day, brother. <laughs> All right. Sure. Well, we'll right. talk to you. Thank you so much, man. All right, Joel. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. Thank right. you. Peace. Good dude, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Joel Holcher, right. he rules. Um, June sixteenth. <laughs> June sixteenth, Crash of Life. <laughs> but buy it now. Thirteen, sixteen. Just buy it now. Don't don't waste your time you waiting. You said that uh, the guy the name you can't pronounce. Gearish, yeah, Gearish Pradhan, I think. And you sent me some of his stuff in, uh, earlier, and yeah, does rock, man. I mean, it's really good. There's some good shit out there that I didn't know about. So yeah. There's, there's more and more. I was going to bring Gears in the Chronicles to the, to the uh, new music moment at some point here. I figured this week we're doing live new music moment with Joel Holkstra. Yeah. No, but, but yeah, good stuff. Just live right. good music. We're going to take a quick break and then um, Target wants you to tuck your stuff away. And, <laughs> Fun. Uh, here's some more Joel. Hang on. All right. Once or twice would be nice to be heard and seen.
What separates Triv's Restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single item on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious and it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, and intimate occasions. You can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own dedicated intimate space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations, 440-238-8830. Triv's in Strongsville. Joe Burdick custom flags are amazing. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection, making each piece of patriotic wall art unique. This is a local small business, veteran owned and proud. Joe Burdick creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your spirit, pride, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065. Joe Burdick Flags. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. The check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, and the light is still on. 216-470-0170. That's Charlie's Auto Repair, 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all, from small engine repair to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. 216 216- 470-0170 Charlie's Auto Repair Let Charlie make your car great once again Right back here and um, I want to thank Charlie's Auto Repair and Lakewood for the hotline Joel Hoaxford joined us on Charlie's huh. Auto Repair and Lakewood thank you for the hotline uh, joining us now on the hotline once again the Charlie's Auto Repair hotline is uh, one of the guys from the commercial you just heard, Joe Burdick, flag guy. Yeah. Flag How guy. You How you doing? That's what my vanity license plates say, the flag guy. That's <laughs> what your TikTok says and everything else, yeah. I'm now following you on TikTok, Joe. Nice. <laughs> I can't believe I have a TikTok. I know, but it's, it's good. It's entertaining. That's right. Um, somebody says, do a Billy Morris interview about music, his music and songwriting. I think we could probably get Billy on, right, Chris? I'm sure we could make that happen. Yeah, I, I mean, saw him what, Saturday. He's awesome. What the hell is he doing? He's not doing anything. There um, was a uh, Janie Lane tribute Saturday night. I know. Bobby Brown was in town, Chris. Yep. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I think she still looks pretty good. She did. I saw some pictures. She did look pretty good. I, I think when I said Bobby Brown, a lot of people went, uh, you know, the black rapper guy? No. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people uh, thought it was her prerogative, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Joe joining us, and actually, Joe's doing something very cool with Billy Morris. Um, and you and the show, uh, gonna be doing a feed the police event June 21st, great third district. And we're going to be uh, 
Billy Marshall being there with his smoking rock and roll food truck. And uh, you're going to be there presenting a flag as well. We're going to be feeding the third district caps. And I think there's like 140 of them. So that's a, a lot of people that we're going to be uh, taking care of and looking forward to that because we love uh, the men and women in blue. So thank you for doing that show. Yep. The flag's done. It's, it looks amazing. I can't wait to bring it to them. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now you're on because you sent me a text earlier today. Yep. And it was a picture of an envelope. You can tell people what happened and how this all started. Yeah. So, um, I got a, uh, I got a message today. There was an envelope sitting here waiting for me and the return I address was from the office of the 45th president. And, um, yeah. So, uh, one of the guys that follows my social media, he lives in West Palm beach and he is the neighbor and good friend of Donald Trump. And, um, when all this crap started going, you know, with him be his uh, house being raided, you know, the ridiculous lawsuit. Um, I told the guy, I said, man, Trump needs to know more than ever that people are, you know, sticking by him. He, I'm sure he needs to hear it. I said, I'd love to get him one of my flags. And he said, I'll tell you what, send me one of your flags and I will hand deliver it to Trump. And a couple of weeks ago, actually, while my son and I were on our cruise, he sent me a photo of him with the flag at Mar-a-Lago and a photo with Ronnie Jackson, the senator from uh, Texas, and Donald Trump's former doctor or congressman, I think is what he is. But anyway, so he, he told me he gave it to Trump. It's in his personal office, and I could be expecting a letter from him soon. Well, today, the letter, this is a copy, the letter came here today from Donald Trump. And it looks like it was signed by a ballpoint, not by AutoPen or whatever they do. <laughs> right. So I have a thank you letter from Donald Trump. See, I think that's fantastic, man. And I was telling Chris earlier, we talked about it a little bit. Um, what we need now is for that flag to be inside the White House. Yeah, we do. How cool would that be? Like a Joe Burdick custom flag sitting in the White House. Get a picture of that. Oh, I'm getting excited. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, uh, too, Seth, is so this past weekend, I was at the uh, the Joint Veterans Council of Cuyahoga County uh, Veteran of the Year Award, which I seem to go every year, but I'm never nominated, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I was sitting at my table was uh, our congressman, Congressman Miller. He, uh, we were talking and, you know, I, and I even sent him a, a text message today with the, um, with the, the letter and we were, t but we were talking, he said he and president Trump were talking about the flag because they both have one. And president Trump told him he has my flag and he loves it. So Congressman Miller today told me because he's also very good friends with president Trump, he's going to get a photo of him with the flag. So I have the letter. I really want a photo. Right. Do you think that there'll be a time if if Donald Trump gets reelected? I mean, he's been known to, to bring people into the White House that have done things for him. And, you know, do you think that's a possibility that you could end up being one of these guys leaned over the desk, taking the picture with the president? Oh, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to get my hopes up for something like that. But I'll tell you what, you know, uh, 
just just doing you know getting this is is huge for me sure you know i mean i don't want to get my hopes up about something like that but uh you know i of course i would love it i wouldn't turn down an invitation to the white house but uh yeah it's it's uh it's pretty cool when it, and and i always say too whenever i get a letter whether whether it's from a a patriot like us or you know a politician or first responder or celebrity i always love getting the letter you know sure but this letter i mean there's only four living former presidents and one of them has my flag in his office that's pretty wow. damn. Yeah, yeah, that's. Well, that's I'm pretty amazing. sure Biden has one too, but I think you forgot about it. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, no. I'm not sure. you, you know, and you know what though? It's funny. I mean, if if he wanted one of my flags, I'd sell him one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I gave one to President Trump. I'd sell Trump one. I mean, uh, Biden one. <laughs> so, real quick, name some of the celebrities that have your flags. Oh boy. Um, Danny Vitale, my buddy, he used to play with the Packers and the Browns. Um, Alejandro Villanueva, war hero, former Steeler. Jenny McCarthy uh, actually bought three of them. Wow. Uh, um, Marcus Luttrell, um, uh, Taya Kyle, the widow of Chris Kyle, um, uh, Will Kane, uh, and I know your your wife loves. Uh, um, uh, Pete Higgs. Yeah. yeah, they've got my flags. Uh, Geraldo has one. Um, Jamie Meter. Oh, uh, Andy Janovich, his jersey's behind me. He's got one. Actually, he he buys a ton of stuff from me to give to all of his patriotic patriotic buddies. But uh, Seth Williams has one. <laughs> Remember now, what one of the. Hottest chicks. You, you saw the movie Roadhouse, I'm assuming, Chris. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. Remember the hot blonde from Roadhouse? <laughs> oh Not yeah. Not the one that he was with, but the, the hot blonde with boots Julie, out and everything. Julie Michaels. <laughs> yeah, she has a flag. Nice. It, that's absolutely amazing to me. <laughs> and, and Yasmin Bleeth from uh, Baywatch. Mm. Another gorgeous. See, girl. if you could just get a picture of her running down the beach and then like a swimsuit <laughs> with the flag, that would be amazing. You know, Doing yes, slow mo. I have a picture of Yasmin and Julie Michaels uh, with their flags. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. You know, I mean, it's it it's definitely cool. You know, with, for people like that. But uh, the, the thing that I find probably the coolest is I I can't even remember how many people I've made flags for. So I can name a few celebrities. But it's like the re- the regular people like us, man. When when somebody is like, "Hey, I want to order one for my dad or my brother," or you know, when when Marilyn Soviak sent me a message almost two years ago, and she wanted to buy one of my flags and to place it next to her brother's casket at his funeral, Max Soviak. You know, uh, first of all, I was honored, and second, I said, you know, she could. Uh, Absolutely not. She couldn't buy one of my flags, but I donated one and my flag was next to his casket at his wake. You know, the 24 year old kid that was killed in Afghanistan. Wow. You know, that's that was amazing to me that, you know, they would want one, first of all. And I've I've seen them a couple of other times and helped their charities. And I'm actually going to be playing in the uh, the Max Soviak uh, Memorial Golf Outing. Uh, with his dad. So, I mean, these flags have done a lot of really good things 
like you said about the police department. And I'm so honored to be able to do that and help keep Triv's memory alive. And, you know, just the, the, the amazing people we meet almost, you know, every time we do something, it's, I'm so proud to be able to do this. Yeah, Jake texted in and said, Hey guys, we're getting the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> Jake. Hey buddy. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's cool to be doing the, uh, the police thing once again. Uh, God knows. Yeah. We could never do what Triv did because Triv was the driving force behind everything. Um, coach for kids, the police, but doing the small part to try to keep that memory alive, I think is, is awesome. Yeah. And so I think it's cool that you're doing it. I think it's cool that Billy Morris is doing it. Uh, God knows that the show's behind it. Of course. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to, to, to promote that and to keep that going, I think it's going to be fantastic. So we're looking for sponsors for that. If anybody wants to help sponsor it, you can, you can do that. Well, if there's uh, going to be that many people, that many cops there, that's going to be amazing. I mean, you were at probably almost all of the 52 that we did. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I probably the most that we got was at the uh, probably the rapid transit police. And that was a lot of cops, but that wasn't, I don't think that was anywhere near a hundred and something, yeah. but that'll be amazing to see those guys. I mean, and for any of your viewers that are that want to come out there, man, Billy, I'm assuming he's going to do this, but he'd play the national anthem, guitar, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the guys all gather around. We take a big group picture with the flag. It's it's an amazing thing, and 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 our cops, you know, they need to hear us out there. We're you know, we're like, we need to be more vocal, and so that they can see that we all care about them. Yeah, there's too much crap going on now, and uh, they definitely need the support. And, you know, it's something small to go out there and feed the guys, and, but it's just showing respect and showing love for what they yeah. did. And remember, Seth, we did this when that COVID crap was right at its highest. So oh, yes. Riv mm-hmm. would go out there not wearing a mask, and I loved it. And we weren't, <laughs> you know, we weren't wearing those stupid masks, and we're shaking their hands and, you know, hugging cops and feeding cops and, I mean, that when people were, you know, hiding in their basements, another Biden reference, but uh, <laughs> hiding in their basements, we were out there, you know, showing love to cops. Yeah, there was one that we did. I think it was like in Kirtland or something. And there were a ton of people that showed up because that area is just fantastic out there. They're just, you know, they were pro-Trump and they were literally marching the streets with flags. And nobody was wearing a mask. It was the height of COVID. I mean, like people, the radio station is saying, don't do this because if you do, we're going to get crap for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the amount of people that are going to be there. And Trevor's like, no, we're doing it. And you know, they're like, well, wear a mask. And nobody's wearing a mask. I'm taking videos of everything. <laughs> and everybody's just having a good time, shaking hands, hugging each other. And nobody got COVID from what I know. There was no lawsuits. There was nothing. It was a great time. A bunch of patriots out there having fun. And, mm-hmm. and paying respect to the cops. So yep. uh, it, it would be nice to kind of do that once again. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I really am too. And hey, if you want, I'll read you this letter for your viewers. You know, we'll see what Donald Trump had to say. Yeah. All right. He said, Dear Joe, thank you for the exceptionally beautiful flag display. Your uh, commitment to excellence and dedication to exemplifying the American dream through integrity, hard work, and principled leadership is the fun, uh, 
the foundation of your tremendous success and it demonstrates the proud spirit of veteran owned and operated businesses. Our nation is strong because of hardworking patriots like you who in and defend the great American ideals of faith, family, community, and country first. The beautiful American flag will serve as an enduring reminder to never stop fighting for the values you and I cherish. May God bless you sincerely, Donald J. Trump. And even underlined, may God bless you. That's awesome. That is cool. Now, the second page, a naked picture of Stormy Daniels. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing for my little, you know, veteran-owned business. I don't do this for awards or, you know, Veteran of the Year awards or whatever. I, I love getting letters and, you know, emails, people, videos, people telling me how, you know, their flag uh, made them feel or their family member. Hell, Seth, if, you, if you're following TikTok, I found a video on TikTok. I didn't even know it was out there. I just happened to type in Burdick flags and a video popped up of a girl, a girl did in her house. And it's like a commercial for my little business. And I didn't even know it was out there. So that's the kind of stuff that I really love. That's awesome. Well, Burdick custom flags on Facebook. Tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. If they want a flags are beautiful. Thank Burdick you. Some flags. You've been a sponsor of this show since day one. Uh, so I can't thank you enough, and I appreciate you because I love you. this. Yep, yeah, Berta Custom Flags on Facebook, on Instagram, on um, Twitter, uh, and you know Burdick, uh, Burdick, I guess it's Burdick Custom Flags on uh, uh, TikTok. I'm lo- losing track of all the social media. My email is Burdick Flags. I I need to get that updated a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, you can reach me anyway. Phone number 440-305-2065. I can always hear Triv in my head. Say it slower. Say yeah. it slower. <laughs> Do it again. Say it slower. <laughs> 440-305-2065. I appreciate you coming on, Joe. Thanks for uh, coming on sharing the story about the letter. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, I think get that out there, man. I uh uh, I, I probably broke a bunch of uh, speed limit laws trying to fly home to see this. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Nice. But thanks for letting me tell the story. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you. Right. I'll see you guys. Bye. Take it easy, man. Bird of Custom Flags. Bird of Custom Flags on Facebook. Wow. He's a good dude. And that's a, that's a hell of a story, man. Hell yeah. I mean, he got a, he got a letter from a president. Who yeah. gets that? Who gets that? I don't think I ever. I think that I have a letter from Judge Judy. <laughs> I don't think that counts as. <laughs> I have a. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure I have a form letter from the pandemic from Mike DeWine. Right. <laughs> you know, from from complaining about his bullshit. I um. I wrote actually because I'm a huge Judge Judy fan. I hate to actually admit that. Like as we're talking. Sure. No, no, Judge Judy. She's fun. But I've always liked the show. My wife and I always like the show, and I'm very routine. Mm-hmm. So when I sit down and I eat dinner, that's what I like to watch. Okay. I know it sounds ridiculously stupid, but again, I am very OCD routine in that way. And so finally, I just wrote her a letter just saying, hey, watch the show, love the show, love to get an autograph, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, a couple weeks later, I got an envelope 
that had her logo on the front of it. Inside was an autographed picture to me from Judge Judy and Officer Bird, the, the guy, oh, nice. <laughs> the bailiff. <laughs> so they're actually both in my office, which I think is, is, is fantastic. That's pretty cool. I know she's on, isn't she on like um, one of the, like Freebie or something? Like she has her yeah. own show that's on all the time, like 24-7 channel. Yeah, it was another, like a new kind of show that yeah. she was doing. And I started Judy Justice it. or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. And But the problem that I had was whatever this Freebie is, <clears throat> it's fine that it's free, but there's 400 commercials that you have to sit there. Yeah. Freebie is yeah. a bit excessive with the... Of the pla- I'm all about the free platform. I'm all about all the streaming platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Freebie does beat you to death with commercials, and they they should have some way that you could just pay an extra two dollars a month or something and not have commercials. Yeah. So when I, I when I watch Judge Judy, I have it recorded from earlier on in the day, obviously, right? So that I could fast forward through all the crap that I don't want to watch, right? And unfortunately, <laughs> on some of those services, you can't do that. Nope. So again, I'm very. If you knew some of the OCD things that I have, Chris, <laughs> it's very. I don't know if it's entertaining, uh, but yeah, like I I can't eat during a commercial. Really? So if I'm watching a TV show while I'm eating, and a commercial comes on, I put down the fork, put down the sandwich, whatever I'm eating, put it down, and I sit back, and I wait three minutes or however long it is. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting to see if they offer you something better? No, I. One, I, that's why I watch generally recorded shows so I can fast forward through all the okay. shit. Right. But if I'm stuck, like say I'm watching a football game or something like that and I'm eating. Okay. Yeah. As soon as the commercial comes on, everything's down. <laughs> and I just sit there and I stare at the TV, wishing to God that I could either not have this OCD or wishing to God that they would just ban all commercials. Right. Do you ever try to just force yourself to eat through it? No, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> and like dinner for me like i cannot eat generally before if i eat before 7 30 all hell is breaking loose dude i can't do really that. so it has to be after 7 30 preferably after eight so if you're going somewhere that's not going to have food and you have to leave your house at like 6 45 you're just not going to eat that night no i don't eat i will i'll <laughs> drive around and get gas until it's 7 30 at least right wow my wife hates me because she's like, why are you like this? But I've been like this since forever. Sure. That's like, funny. Like when I used to have a couple of beverages at night, it couldn't be before eight o'clock. If it was eight, like seven fifty nine, I wouldn't crack a beer at eight o'clock. I could have something. I can honestly say I've never heard this OCD. Wow. Yeah, dude, It gets kind of, uh, I mean, I've given up a lot of things. Right. Like when I was a kid, I used to be OCD and be on the phone with like my girlfriend or something like that. And back then it was a house phone, you know, like a big cord and all that right. bullshit. And I'd have to pick up three times to make sure that the phone was hung up before I was done. So what about these, what about these, like, like the Super Bowl? Can you eat through halftime? Or does that register as a commercial? No, that's head? okay. That's okay. We generally, what I try to do though, I'm just being honest because yeah. Weird. But I record the Super Bowl. Okay, that's a special occasion for eating because you usually eat like wings or you have party yeah. type foods and stuff like right. that. And so my my routine when it comes to the Super Bowl is I record it. Okay, I don't start the Super Bowl with the recording until and eating until after seven thirty. So the game's already like an hour and a half, hour in right. before I actually start eating. 
So usually I'm timed up to being done eating by the time I get to the halftime. So if you have a streaming service like Paramount or Peacock or whatever, you'll pay the extra two bucks to not have commercials just so you can eat whenever you want. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do it. it, it it's really weird. That's hilarious. You wore off on me. There are some things that, yeah, I mean, like, like he was, he was OCD in the sense of like germs. Like, yeah, didn't like germs. Mm-hmm. So, like, every day I'd have to spray down the studio with disinfectant, like yeah. salt, whatever it was. I'd have to spray down his chair. I'd have to spray down the microphones. I'd just spray down every little thing. Right. And he would always grab like handles by his shirt, would never touch a, a door handle. And so now I do that kind of stuff too. And it, it gets a little bit obsessive. <laughs> I guess. Like I'll never like, I don't touch a gas pump handle. I'll put my sleeve over top of it. And which wow. doesn't do me a whole lot of good because now my sleeve is covered in germs. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I'll ga- go, you and know, that gas smell all day long. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Wow. That's <laughs> hilarious. The little things, man. But I'm not like completely OCD, right? But like a certain time of night is when it's time to go to bed. It's mm-hmm. not time to go to bed before that time. And if I'm after that time, I'm thrown off a little. See, yeah, yeah, and you're you're a regimen guy too. Like you can't just like like if you do something repetitively. You have to do it in order repetitively, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I and I, 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 it's weird because everybody in my family, I think, has those has that OCD, except me, and yeah. they can't figure out how I can work and watch TV and listen. I mean, there's definitely times where I'll have two computers going plus a TV plus music, and I'll I'll have it all going at once, and that works for me. Just the the sheer chaos of it. And none of it is organized. And then when people see me doing that, they're like, what in the hell? How do you get anything done? It's like, that's just how it works for me. You know? Yeah. Like, again, it goes back to eating. Maybe there's something that has, I had a tragedy as a child when it came to eating. Yeah. But I will never eat things together. Like, if I have like a, a sandwich and fries. Right. I have to eat the fries first. The fries are going to be gone before I touch the sandwich. I cannot eat the main dish until the you side can't take a gone. bite of the sandwich and then two fries. No, <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> Not going to happen. Like, you know, if I'm eating a Thanksgiving dinner, it's weird because I'll have like the corn, mashed potatoes, stuffing, turkey, whatever. But that stuff will be gone before I touch the turkey. So can you do like a dipper thing too or no? Like, could you I'll do dip- a dipper thing. Right. I'll like maybe combine the side dishes together right. and that's all right. But yeah, the side dishes. But no mixing like corn or something with potatoes or whatever. Definitely not. Corn and potatoes I could do together. Could you do that? Like what if they were served separately though? No, I mean, that's all right. Again, it, as long as the side dishes are gone before the main dish is consumed. Okay. All right, so you'd be okay to mix them up and not have to yeah. eat all the corn first, then all the potatoes for yeah, a second. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> I know. It is what it is. That's good Like stuff. in the morning, I have the same kind of thing. I have a routine of getting up in the morning. I know what time I'm going to get up. I know what time I'm going right. to get up to go upstairs and work on a computer to post stuff or do this or do that. Mm-hmm. But it's very routine. Because right. then I know that as soon as I'm done with that, then I'm going to close the computer. I'm going to go downstairs and make my sandwich for lunch. Right. Now, 
I know that I enjoy watching Let's Make a Deal for during lunch. Sure. And so I have all these Let's Make a Deal shows recorded. And so if Let's Make a Deal is a repeat, I'm I'm fucked. Like I start freaking <laughs> out. Like I'll go to YouTube and try to find like one that I haven't seen. So yeah. I can watch that while I eat. I can't right. watch Price is Right. I can't watch something else. It has to be that during lunch at that time. Then I will actually time out my meal. So I'm done with the meal as soon as the end of the show happens. <laughs> that's so funny. To, that's a, so no wonder it drives you absolutely bonkers trying to get a hold of me when I'm like, oh my God, dude. no schedule. <laughs> I was like, all right, I gotta call Chris. I gotta tell him this. I gotta tell him that. And then I pick up the phone. I was like, but I don't know if he's sleeping. I don't know yeah. what's going on. And then if you don't answer, I'm like, all right, Chris is pissed at me for something. <laughs> he's mad. Something happened. I said something the last time that I talked to him and I fucked it all up. Huh. <laughs> Dude, it, it, and 99% of the time, it's just that I'm on no sleep schedule. I, <laughs> you know, it's like this morning, I, I've been up now since I think 3 30 in the morning. I just woke up three thirty in the morning, opened my computer, started working, and I'm going. I'll probably t- I'll probably go to sleep here at like six o'clock, <laughs> six ten, <laughs> six ten, six fifteen. I'll have to look at my phone to see if I missed any calls. But if I didn't, I'll be asleep. It might be something that I should seek like professional help for. Yeah, but why? it doesn't it's hurt anything. Yeah. And, and I mean, some of it makes total sense, dude. I mean, you worked with Triv for how many years? Twenty. Uh, well, no, like thirteen. Well, thirteen. Well, even yeah. that. I mean, it's more than one. Where, you know, the show was 3 to 7. You, ate, you, you got in the habit of eating it no earlier than 7.30. And, and Probably like, weren't able to. Something like Jake will understand. You've been in radio, but you weren't like the technical guy. You were more or less the... Yeah. But when you are in radio, everything comes down to the second. So every commercial uh-huh. comes down to the sure. to 30 second, one minute, this, that. And everything is very routine. Take a break at this time. Go sure. to traffic at this time. Go to weather news this time. So... Over the, the 24 years of working in radio, everything becomes routine. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know that the top of the hour is when you're going to go outside and smoke. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to hit the commercials at this time. And everything is so routine that I think yeah. that that has led to my personal life of doing the same kind yeah, of thing. Probably. Yeah, probably. And it's funny because when I, when I was doing the metal show on MMS and on 92, I used to give Matt the most shit ever about specifically that. 100 percent about because matt you know he he was he was the board guy i was 100 yeah. percent talent that's all i was right and he'd be like you know we'd be in the middle of talking about something he'd be like oh hold on man we'll be right back with more of that right after this it's the metal show and it was because he was trying to stick to the cl- we didn't have a clock per se on the metal show but we definitely had a you have to get all your commercials run by this time oh yeah you know, we we had so we didn't have a, a hard clock, but we had, what would you call that soft clock, I guess. Yeah. And it would make me crazy. Like he would be like we'd be in the middle of talking about something great, and I'd be like, or he would all of a sudden hit me with, "Hold up, we'll come right back to that right after this from ABC Four. <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, the mics would go off, and I'd be like, "What the f are you towing, man? We were rocking." And he's like, "I got to hit the spots, man. Fuck the spots, dude. You know, I, I was losing my <laughs> losing my mind, and then we'd come back, and then. He'd be like, well, now Chris is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like, Jake, I go to the bathroom every day after the 12 o'clock news. If I eat, it's in between my 2 and 2.30. Sure. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope the fitting went well. Yes, wearing my new leg now. Thanks, Eric. That's good. Um, but, yeah, everything, I think, 
again, for 24 years in radio, it's just one clock after another. You spend your entire life looking at the yeah. clock and seeing, mm-hmm. here it is. Here's the next thing we got to do. Next thing you got to do. Right. And so I think I just carry it over to the personal life. Well, it, it would make sense. You spend as much time there as you did anywhere else. Yeah. Well, sometimes more than my own family. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's ra- That's radio for you. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, everything tonight. Uh, Joel Holtzfeld, sure. fantastic uh, tonight. I'll be posting that. Absolutely. Uh, separately, if anybody wants to watch that, uh, that was very good. And um, Jim Brown talk was fun, I think. And yeah. Wednesday, I don't know what we got going on. I want to get into that Target thing because people are tucking their junk in their little pockets and right. kids are doing it out too. So I, I want to get into that. Um. We'll try to find some other stuff. I'm sure we can find some something or somebody or something, you know. Always do. Lord knows my my yeah. inbox is always full of bands, <laughs> desperate for coverage. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate everything tonight, and thanks everybody listening. Sure. Thanks for Seth and Chris, but you always have a great show. Everybody needs to come coming. Thank oh, you, Natalie. Thank everybody you. have a great night. God willing, talk to you Wednesday. Chris Aiken presents tonight, correct? That is correct. When you tonight's, got? Uh, we got a. Uh, Sexy T, Todd Strange from Crowbar. Remember them back in the in nice. the early '90s? Big, fat, and slow sludge metal band, Crowbar. <laughs> they they have a new band called I Am. It's two of the guys from Crowbar, two of the guys from Typo Negative. So, got that, and then we'll just be talking about whatever we talk about. Um, myself and um, Stephen Piercy, guitarist Eric Farantinos, who was in town yesterday, who was in Willoughby. So, did you see him? Did you have fun? I did not. I did not see him. I was I was asleep until three o'clock in the afternoon. I hit him up, or he hit me up and was like, "Dude, I'm having equipment problems. I can't make it." I was like, "Okay, cool, you know, whatever." So right. it didn't happen, but I'll 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 obviously catch up with him at the next time he's through. Yep. All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you uh, hopefully Wednesday, and thank you again, and thank you everybody. Have a great yep. night. See ya. See ya.